welcome to Beer in a Movie, the podcast where we talk about two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies. Sometimes achieving outstanding pairings, and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. I am one of your co-hosts, Carlos Cooper, with me as always. Dave Gurney. And Joe Hilliard. And you guessed it, we're here to talk a, about a movie and drink a beer, not in that order, in fact, in the opposite order. <laughs> first things first. First things first, as you know, we like to keep the glasses moist. Uh, at some point, a little pre-moistening. <laughs> yeah, we're, we are pre-gaming this episode. Uh, it, it, I, I feel like... stage beer, guys, come on. Before I lose it, Joe, one of these days in one of your data scrapes, you're going to have to okay. go for what's the longest we've gone before pouring the beer oh, at the no, beginning no, no, of an no, episode? No, no, no. That's yeah, a no. tough one. Yeah, you know exactly. That. I'm not going to do that research. Oh, come that, on. That would require a lot of listening. <laughs> <laughs> I know. A lot of listening. I'm, I'm, well, I've planted the seed in Joe's data-driven <laughs> mind. I'll tell you what. will eventually lead him. If we him. get five new Patreon subscribers in the next uh, <laughs> two episodes, I will start that project. <laughs> okay. Wow. Yeah, so that's enticing. The gauntlet has been thrown. It has. Um, before that even happens, I'm going to say six minutes. That's my guess. Six minutes you that we've gone. six is the longest we've gone? I think six okay. is the longest we've gone without opening a beer. I'm saying it right now on record. Well, let's open a beer. Yeah. So we are going to open a beer. This is one. I didn't have the base version of this, but our friend... Our uh, patron of the show, uh, Daniel, who has also provided a lot of beer for the show, as it were. Sparkly um, boy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can't wait to crack a seltzer with him. <laughs> Reconvene. Uh, spoke very highly of the base version of this. It is the. Uh, it's from Odell Brewing, uh, uh, one I think a lot of us believe to be very underrated. Yeah, wise. well, they're just solid. They yeah. never, I mean, they, not to say they probably made a couple beers that I haven't gone head over heels for, but when they do something right, they even, do it really right. And even when they quote unquote fail by their standards, it's not bad. It's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. We get a, a nice amount of Odell's beers in our market. Yeah. The Mountain and, Standard is one I always go to. Yeah. And uh, I. Rupture, is that the yeah, that's IPA a, that's. I so. uh, and yeah. I feel like that there are. In our market, with the selection that there is, that I should know offhand how much they're brewing. Like that, it takes that much to get down to our city. Yeah, I mean they're based in Fort Collins, Colorado, so yeah. not exactly a neighboring state by any means, but not no. as far as something like Maine. But yeah, so the Berry Treasure Stout is one that they did. It's a it's a cellar series they call it, and this is a variation on that. This is the. Uh, Barreled Treasure Coconut Chocolate Stout. It is a barrel-aged stout, and you guessed it. It has coconut and chocolate in it. Uh, this is aged in a blend of uh, bourbon, wheat whiskey, and virgin American oak barrels, and enlivened with luxurious additions of coconut and dark nice. chocolate specifically. Uh, it has a complex profile packed with aromas and notes of sweet coconut chocolate-covered espresso beans and baker's, cho baker's chocolate your riches await. <laughs> that's a lot you, you they fit a lot in you just fit a lot in a lot and the key word there folks anybody who listens to the show regularly will know this is that coconut was in yes. there and and that is something that uh is a magical ingredient and for I, uh carlos so. yeah huge slut for coconut i can't believe i didn't mention this 11 percent on this guy I think this will We're be the, back, baby. I think, I think this. We are. We went with all those uh, I, I, sissy boy sours that are in the four, five range, and oh, we are about to. On. We are about to return to form. This will be an episode where we do not go into single digit ABVs. We're staying double digit the whole episode. 
I like I've your got style. A, I've got a fact and a question. This is our second trip to Odell. The first being episode 21 when we wow. watched it with Sorry to Bother You. That's almost what, what 100 episodes. What what beer of theirs? The Dream Catcher? Cloud oh, Catcher? Oh, the, cloud oh, catcher. the hazy. Milk That's their hazy. The Milkshake IPA. Milkshake, you're yeah. right. Okay. The question, does yeah. anyone care? Are, are those kinds of facts interesting enough to continue to look them up? I I, I find we, them very we, interesting, we and I think our a lot of people going to episode twenty one as soon as this it. is over. I, I don't what do know. They think of the cloud catcher. I don't know if they're going to episode twenty one, but I think that it is it is worth noting how experienced we are with a particular brewery, especially yeah. one like this that we all outside of the show have ha- had so much of. And honestly, when I jump on a podcast, you know, li- listening to a new podcast, new to me, and they start referencing older episodes, it does make me go back a kick because I like okay. to hear, okay, what yeah. did they think about it 20 right. episodes or 100 episodes ago when they drank this? Uh, let me holster this weapon, but I'm ready to shoot at any moment <laughs> should a fact need to come up. <laughs> yeah, like, so have we done a Cronenberg before on the show how's that i don't how, think that how we about have that fact i'm gonna say no we have not right, that's what i thought um and you know i think that the beers for this episode are appropriately high abv because these are high octane films they're high in a lot of ways yes uh, <laughs> they so, are yes high, high in uh in in the philosophy high in the in the thought that goes behind it high in terms of tolerance for yes. gore yeah. and special effects and they so, fr- so we teased on our facebook that this is a father-son director yeah. episode yeah which one are we starting with i've assumed oh, we, possessor the yeah new release. i think i think we got to go with the 2020 film yeah yeah so, so Possessor is the son, Brandon. Yeah, there And you. he did a film that I haven't seen from uh, six, seven years ago called, I think, Antiviral. Anyone seen I have it? not seen it either. Did y'all walk into Brandon Cronenberg's film like I me thought, with no was, Brandon experience? Yeah, I thought this was his debut. I, I knew he had this other one, and I probably should have watched it and done my yeah. homework, but I was captivated by the trailer for this one and didn't even question it didn't think oh i need to see what else he's done and i will get to dad in the second half of the episode but how much cronenberg david cronenberg experience do y'all have going into this film i've seen them i've seen most of the notables i have seen as as you would yeah. uh, suggest most of the notables like the brood uh-huh. scanners fly uh the fly uh i'd seen videodrome dead ringers um i haven't seen dead ringers that's a creepy one. um i actually now that you bring that up i want to because there are a couple of his um that once i discovered him didn't know that he had done uh the two biggest ones i think being a history of violence yeah. and cosmopolis uh-huh. when those movies came out i didn't think much of them and i only later found out that it was cronenberg behind it and i have been wanting to go back to those cosmopolis especially because you know i love the pat man well i don't uh, i did the rabbit hole here is that having some david cronenberg experience prepares you for the experience that is possessor um we're getting into a phrase I'm sure we'll, I want to delve into a little bit. I hope that we will. A body horror and um, extreme graphic violence as a tool to show a relationship with violence or a, you know, there's usually a philosophic reason for those in Cronenberg's films. And his son, I think, does a good job here. 
This is a really interesting concept. It's got I I, I kept referencing other films, The Matrix, sticking a, a, a wire in yes. your head to do to do a programming yeah. and, and other references. But yeah. um, the the general plot is that. There is an agency that has created the technology, technology being, of course, a throughput in the elder Cronenberg's films that we'll talk about, I'm sure, in the second half. The technology has been developed to inject the neural ability of a human, human A, mm-hmm. into human B so that human B is unconscious and being controlled completely by human A who right. is on a table in a laboratory. And the purpose of this is to assassinate people, because if I Commit can then, unspeakable crimes. Yeah. Well, at least we know one application. Sure. Right? The movie yeah. doesn't show us enough to really tell. But yes, we know that this organization, this group, is right. using it to create assassins. Right. And we also saw recently, not not what four months ago or less, Looper. The idea that mm-hmm. at the end of a time traveler's yeah. career they are time traveled into a place where they are assassinated because right. when you can do that you've got a, a, a you know a an assassin that then kills themselves that's the final dispatch of the job that's mm-hmm. being done here and then the neural connection is you know given back to the person who's on the table right. and they spring back into their normal life perfect crime perfect you crime you pick somebody from the orbit of somebody you want to kill you Possess them, you kill that person off, and then you exit, no no trace. Right, unless this application of neural telepathy, whatever we want to call it, uh, can undo, can can fuck up the assassin, the the, the person whose mind was controlling the body. Right. And we begin to see early in this film as a, in the opening sequence of this film, we don't understand what's going on exactly, because a... uh, Interesting. I mean, beautiful art, art directed scene of a blue jumpsuited woman going in mm-hmm. to assassinate someone. I mean, straight with a knife to the throat, so and then the multiple stabbings. Yeah, and then a, a botched suicide, and then we see that that's all been orchestrated by this device. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and it is also made clear to us fairly early in the film that this technology does have the potential to unravel the controller. Yeah, yeah, because uh, she is forced to undergo this, you know, kind of cognitive test that, you know, ensure or that at least makes her employers feel that she is still herself and is still holding right. on to some semblance of reality. Well, there would be a risk of your mind being in someone else's mind that they get blended or that when the when they're disconnected... That Who knows yeah. that you've lost some part of yourself, that yeah. they right. that you've gained some part of the other psyche. Uh, yeah, exactly. I was, sure. th- I was thinking that too, that that could definitely be what they're kind of saying like, could happen. Like you're saying, Carlos, you get this debriefing that goes on after the With Jennifer possession. Jason Lee. Yes, I mean uh, some kind of Gerder. some kind of big, uh, not big names, but no, but some she's kind great. Of big names. And, and, and you know the girl from Mandy. Uh, yeah, well, uh, Andrea Riseborough. I I saw her name and did not attempt. Uh, no, but I definitely. I mean, she's Mandy, and, and so yeah. it, was, it was cool to see she, her. Yeah, again. She is Mandy, yeah. um, and she's she had. She has a haunting kind of look about her in both of those films. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I don't. I, more I, a little, a little more uh, like a, a little more traditionally angelic and and beautiful in Mandy because she's supposed to be this kind of almost psychedelic uh, whatever. But then this much more like. 
pale and uh, gaunt I mean, and, pale and somewhat scary. Too. I don't think that I've really seen her in enough. Oh, she, oh man, she was in Birdman, right? <laughs> she, she has this kind of, uh, it seems to me in the three films that I've seen her in, uh, this ability to kind of have a Tilda Swinton-esque uh, I, uh, that's a good comparison. That's quality a good comparison. where she can... She can be really strange and creepy and out there. She can be like a fairly, like, she's and, and fairly I was ab- normal. And I was about man. to say, but I don't see the gender bending. And yet I did see gender bending <laughs> going on in Possessor. Yeah. <laughs> well, well the, the female, um, I don't even know, Possessor yeah. is uh, taken back into her normal life. We know, we learned that she has a son and, right. and, and a husband. The, the, the husband and her are probably having, having some difficulties. And They're when separated she, at the time. When she is supposed to be off of work now mm-hmm. for a while, she wants to go back to yes. work. Yeah. That the life inside the mind of someone else is giving me perhaps, the motive is unclear except that she's just unhappy with real life. Mm-hmm. It will give me some kind of greater thrill. So she's given a new job, yeah, with a boss, Jennifer Jason Lee, that kind of probably suspects that the edges are being frayed on, yeah, her. Yeah, it does seem like she has some kind of uneasiness, even though, which you know, speaks volumes of Jennifer Jason Lee's performance that she doesn't actually say any words that indicate that necessarily, but you can just kind of see you it get in that her, sense. Yeah. her face and her gestures as, uh, as all this is unfolding. But yeah, very, uh, it's a, seems like a very high stakes mission that she is sent on. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you that when the premise of this film was given and I, you know, I saw like, Actually, I don't know if I watched the trailer, but when I read the premise of this film, I I just didn't think that hard about the actual possessing of somebody portion of it. I was I thought more of like the okay, so when you're in the body, you can do whatever you want and blah blah blah. blah. But as soon as she enters, Colin um, Colin Tate T- Tate um, Christopher Abbott, yeah, who. Uh, I looked him up and he was in something that we had seen um, that I recognized him from. I thought he was really good in this movie, though. Yeah, oh, um, it's tremendous, especially when half the time he's playing somebody else, somebody else in, playing in, uh, him, right? I mean, it, it, and give some credit to Andrea Riseborough too, who's kind of yeah. doing the same thing at, at certain moments. Like both of them, this is a real like acting challenge that Vox Brandon Lux. Cronenberg Vox Lux that's what it was oh, um, yeah uh, it comes at night as well that's probably the most notable I think. did we do that on the show I thought no we anyway as soon as she is in his body and is like talking to his girlfriend at that point it, I'm like oh so this is like hard to do <laughs> like this is like really hard to do well, you certainly yeah. have to have improvisational skills there was a whole scene of her observing him from afar for a week or so to pick up his mannerisms and but then when you're now inside of the body uh-huh. of, a, of a woman that you've slept with and have an intimate relationship with, and then now you have to act as your guess as how this man would act. Yeah. And she immediately says, well, you're acting a little weird today. And he probably was. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the possession. Mm-hmm. 
And it would be perhaps intoxicating to a person unhappy in the real world who has this ability that the rest of the world doesn't even know exists. Yeah. Yeah. To live all these different lives. But there are rules, David. There are rules in this movie. This movie lays down a lot of rules. And one of them is that she's got to stick that needle in in the hole in her head to Mm -hmm. get recalibrated. Right. A la The Matrix. And also that... Yeah. And also that... The boss, what's her name? Gil, Gilder? Gerder. Gerder is always around. Like yeah. She's hearing everything and they can communicate at any time. Yeah. Yeah. Which also, isn't explained, but just creepy as a stage that this girl is performing in inside this male body. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this movie raises a hell of a lot of interesting philosophical questions. It does. And before I forget, in both of these films, I saw a lot of Wachowski in it. And there's a mm-hmm. particular scene in Videodrome where I saw, oh, the the Wachowskis had to have been inspired by this for this particular oh, scene. Oh, sure. Well, and, and then, you know, The Matrix the, came out then, alongside a film that, you know, you're mentioning The Matrix. Existence came out right at the same time yeah. with a very similar idea of tapping either. into one's nervous it. system. Yeah. And, you know, so, I know I'm supposed to, and I know that it's way up. Well, um, and, and, and I'm just, you know, so if we're wall. thinking about these films that turn of the century, uh-huh. we're, we're probing this idea of... Yeah you know, uh, biomechanical technology that, you know, this is inspired by his dad. Also, I'm sure, you know, with what the Wachowskis did with it as well. But, uh, yeah. I just saw something in that that I felt inspired them, and then I saw stuff in this that was inspired by them. And so (laughs) just that kind of transitive property of, you know, people uh, just... The mix of it all was so interesting to me as I because as I watched these in you know a couple of days, uh, mm-hmm. and so we'll expound on that a little bit more in video drum. But but you have to move the plot just further, just a little bit more because there is a break. She begins to break, and the unconscious host begins to become conscious, and then there's a fight for his body and mm-hmm. the possession, and that's when this movie goes. Way Cronenberg. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's so I think where you get where you're getting to there is the amazing visuals of this film, like from the lighting design to the set design to when she possesses him and we see that happen. Yeah. I I, I heard that that was all done in camera. I think as much practical effects as they could possibly do. I don't think there was any real CGI used in the film, from what I understand. And you love to see it. Yeah, well, it's it's amazing to see how well it's pulled off with all these practical effects, kind of guiding it. It's just, you know, and there's some great imagery. You know, the skin mask that he's sort of pulling over himself to be. And will haunt generations. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, yeah. it, it's it's a haunting image. It's on the poster. I mean, it, it, you. But you, you don't. And it's an, al- really it's an allegorical notion. Are we, are we clear? Are we do we clear on that? Like, there no. was no skin. There was no mask. This was a ritual that was going on within their mind, and that's the allegorical representation of what the possession was. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, there's a lot to get into as far as meaning. I mean, we haven't oh, even gotten. Into what do we get to the yet. second half? Oh, good God! <laughs> I mean, I I think any of those things, it, yeah. like I I, th- or I what think I want to take. What I well, want because to take. I mean, a lot of this film is about how much reality is tied up in one psyche, right? And that the fact that. Um, Similarly it, to our second film, as yeah, well. I mean, that she is, you know experiencing what she experiences as she's kind of being split right between her own persona 
and then this other persona that's fighting against her and even even using what she knows about herself against her in pursuing her and her um, former husband or estranged husband and child. I mean, it gets very complicated. So, yes, the visualization, is that a metaphorical visualization? Or is it something in her mind that she sees her own self trying to conform to this body that she's put herself into? I mean, it doesn't matter, which is right. (laughs) And there's also, um, I felt, a Mission Impossible layer. Either possibility is great. (laughs) A Mission Impossible. And a a Mission Impossible layer to it. Sure. When... When the when her boss is speaking to her about the way that they're going to stage the murder that, uh-huh. that they're being hired to execute here yeah. of the CEO of this company, who's played brilliantly as always by uh, Sean Sean Bean, Bean. Sean, the king yeah, of getting good. killed he's off good. early in things. Yeah, he, he does right. Yeah. Uh, you know, I and you know, Aaron made that joke, and I I didn't watch Game of Thrones, but she's like, yeah. oh, just like Game of Thrones, yeah. he doesn't yeah. stick around long. Uh, yeah, that that was one of the few things she liked about this movie. It oh yeah, oh, that's a oh that's a whole other thing that we'll have to get into. Uh, I watched it solo. As, yeah, I watched as, it solo as, it as well. Uh, that was the only right move for the so, amount of violence and kind of violence-led horror that yeah. the, the film presents. There's no way my when he kills Sean Bean. Uh huh. Yeah. My God. Yeah. Yeah. That shit was crazy. Yeah. Uh, he didn't kill him, which was an interesting yeah, weird true, twist. True, it doesn't make any sense because I saw, felt that I saw that the poker went through his entire body. It did seem body like a, a pretty definitive via, kill, but, uh, yeah. with the mouth as the entry hole. I mean, if it, how do you survive that? Okay, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> there, there's a bit of alternate reality, perhaps at play. I don't know. But, I mean, there wasn't. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. There, I, the film well, in general. Well, what's the verdict? I mean, well, I, I want to. What is it? What does it all mean? Oh. What is he trying to? What is the <laughs> message that he? I mean, also we should you, we well, should note it. It does kind of fall apart a little bit in the third act. Not fall apart, but it just so? ends kind of abruptly. Really? Um, I I thought it ended the way it should. Yeah, I didn't think there was an abrupt ending at all. I mean, we could completely spoil the ending as we tend to. Uh, Jennifer Jason Leigh has to come in by... Jennifer Jason Leigh has to possess an individual and not make our heroine, or heroine, the protagonist figure, aware that this has yes, occurred. Yes, you could call her that. And it is the son. It is her own son. Right. When who, he says, get me out. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And then we, we know that, okay. And then you see, the, I think one of the final shots is the two of them side by side in the laboratory. That yeah. her boss yeah. has gone in to fix it and retrieve her. Yeah. Right. And then that's it, right? They have a debriefing and she talks briefly. Yeah. With a yeah. lot less empathy, a lot less remorse for killing yeah. that butterfly when yes. she was a child. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a it's a debriefing, not an actual like discussion of what the fuck happened and how oh, no, I don't know. She, I think this is an industry where we don't even know what the fuck has actually happened. That's that's fair. Well I, I guess I'm speaking more of a devil's advocate type of uh, perspective here because I have heard this criticism levied against it while as I'm saying it I'm having a hard time really standing behind it because I did like the ending. Oh, okay. What's the message of Friday the 13th? Oh, oh well, that's well, not yeah. the same level. I don't know. If we're talking about I horror, mean, we're talking about 2020, he, we're talking about you know, a son emulating Like I said, father. I did read a little bit about this because I was curious and it had been this long. He Because he had this feature before, antiviral, but that was 2012. That was eight years ago. What? Why does it take eight years? And this was a project he had ready to go apparently when he was doing press for... 
uh, antiviral. I think he he said he felt like he was becoming this new person, this different part of himself was coming out. Even I read though, that as well. And so yeah. it felt like this new personality emerging, and that got him thinking about what is it that drives that, and how yeah. do you, you know. And so then he came up with this concept. And so, I mean, I think he wanted to explore that sense that, you know, one kind of is always performing a version of themselves. But then there are moments where thing where shifts seem to happen. Like, what if you actually inserted yourself into somebody else? The the other film that actually came to my mind when I was getting prepared and kind of collecting my thoughts for this, a- along with uh, Looper, w- which we had watched recently, was Being John Malkovich. It's yeah. like if you yeah. if you yeah. you know put together Being John Malkovich and the kind of philosophical really quandary <laughs> of putting yourself into another person's body and yeah. you know trying to control their mind and all that and uh, but then using it for a very specific I mean I guess more ambitious than what Craig does in uh, being John Malkovich just selling people tickets to be able to go into the brain <laughs> yeah. you know instead using it as a as an assassination service more nefarious right but, which is why when I earlier I'm like it, it's you could almost build a whole universe here where you had different organizations using the same technology for different applications you know assassination would be yeah. an obvious one that this film is explored but there are so many others that you could yeah sexual Vacation. voyeurism that. See, that's where you go, Joe. But I, I mean, I would. <laughs> that's where the money probably goes. <laughs> no, yeah, Absolutely, if there, I would. If I would definitely. The internet has taught us is yeah. that's where the money goes. I, you know, actually, or television is, is Rule Thirty Four applicable to uh, body horror films? I think so. Okay, all right, good. So. I, I, like, yeah. I mean, they already have sex. It's just, you're making <laughs> porn lot. based there's on a, it. There's yeah. a lot of that in there. Um, I, you know, it's funny because for me watching it, uh, and after I kind of sat and thought about it for a second, I thought. Oh, this is a movie that, of course, I interpret everything through this lens, as anyone that had me as a student in university would know. <laughs> uh, that is, this is a condemnation of capitalism and this idea that we have to, uh, that our identity and our self-worth is tied into our productivity and to our abilities to do our jobs. And it does, so it, it just ha- so happens in this film that her job also carries with it certain benefits that a lot of employment does not, but also just like, I don't want to think about how hard things are at home right now and the dissolution of my marriage and things like that. I want to, I'm just going to go back to work and she loses her identity in this constant cycle of, you know, her job. Yeah. Um, which as it turns out, which is a clear risk of the job. Yeah. Which is a risk of the job. But as it turns out, happened to Brandon Cronenberg uh, in his, you know, I mean, that's, that's what he was talking about with the press thing and starting to like, I'm, I'm no longer Brandon. I'm press Brandon. Yeah. I'm a film cycle. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, so it makes, I guess it makes a little bit of sense. Maybe I'm just justifying my own interpretation of it. I think there obviously are way more ways to look at this than just that one. Yeah. And there's obviously a lot more going on. But that's valid. I mean, it's it's definitely about this profession that she has and that, and that she's the, the kind of, uh, toll it takes on her mentally, physically, relationship wise. I mean, it's all, but also there. an attraction too, it in spite of those things. Yeah, she right. knows she's not well. Right, and you see that. I mean, the the uh, you know, the, I, I made a quick reference to it, but that sex scene that goes on when she's possessing 
the the character, and I'm forgetting the male character's name, Christopher Abbott's character. What was it again? Anyway, Colin. Colin, um, thank you. Tate. When she's possessing Colin, and it flashes to being her yeah. in that bed, and yeah. she's got a, you know, a dildo attached to her. I mean, not obviously one, but they've given the actress a prosthetic. Uh-huh. It's, I mean, it's a shocking, not a shocking, but it's a, it's a unique image. (laughs) You don't often, A, you don't often see erect penises in films. So this is Possessor Uncut, by the way, that we're watching. That's the only version there is, by the way. It sounds like it, although what I, from what I understand, they have cut an R version of it that is a minute shorter that I think is going to see some sort of release, whether it be available on some streaming platforms later or. But at the time of our recording. I know. The only one that you can see is Possessor Uncut. In our market. Yeah. that, the other That's thing I fair. think is there's some global markets that they think will only take an R cut. That will only our, take an R our cut. Our R cut. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So, so anyway, I mean... It's, I did a lot of Googling. It's one that you probably couldn't have in a straight R cut. Right. But it is so worth it in that it it is that, I think, visually and in terms of what that character is going through, somewhat psychologically, a really interesting... Mm-hmm moment there where it's clear that part of the charge of this job for her or what attracts her to it is that she gets to be this other person in a profound way that you know goes beyond what yeah. anybody would think of with a typical just it, acting job that the poster you mentioned with that really scary face and mask is mm-hmm. a very interesting bit of marketing um i, I believe that this movie will find a great and grand audience in in the years to come mm. Uh, Cult status. I, I sure. believe that just like I don't exactly know what the point of Alien was, that I'm seeing in Possessor a brilliant, fantastic watch it, watch it through your fingers over your eyes. If <laughs> if violence, were, a certain level of violence yeah. uh, is is distasteful, yeah. but I think that this is a fantastic amazing movie i can't mm-hmm. wait to watch antiviral go back and see yeah. what this young man's come up with mm-hmm. and i can't wait to see where he goes I mean, in he is the future like 40. and david <laughs> <laughs> do what you said young man but he's like well 40 he started he started filmmaking late you no, know i was he, talking he, about the young man that made antiviral but david he's 32 is, uh amazing to me how you can sneak the word dildo into this podcast <laughs> well what it, this and there's, high there's uh, not a lot of high life other, i think that was kind of it yeah, but yeah yeah there's not a lot of other ways to describe that scene. you gonna make me do that data also <laughs> how many times has david said the word dildo um you can also count Episode how many title you can also uh count how many times i've said the word cunt in it, or i've called someone a cunt in a, in a yeah, podcast because i said it recently and you're like up. i think this is the first time and i was like definitely not the first time oh okay um, but that was one episode, two episodes ago. Um, it's going to be five more. Also, also in talking shows. to people about the podcast, I realized that the episode that was released the day after election day, I just cannot remember. Like the movies that we did, like nothing. That was the last of wait. That was no, the last one. That wasn't the last. That wasn't of the last. October. That was that was, that was in between horror. So that was Borat. 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 Yeah. <laughs> just the the cloud of oh, yeah. that yeah, mo- yeah. M- moment of national anxiety. Yeah, that was a lot. Uh, yeah. to, anyway, beer and a movie um, is a perfect distraction. From it is that, a perfect Carlos. distraction. Uh, yeah. And so yeah, um, I yeah, I think this movie was great. And the second I that movie. I finished it, I it was it was a a rare late night viewing for me. Did not fall asleep or well anything done. of the sort. Well done. But as soon as I finished it, it was like 12.15 maybe, uh-huh. and I was like, I know I don't have time, but I need to see this again. 
you know, uh, to you like, watched it a second time. I, no, I didn't. I, I oh. wasn't able to, oh, I wasn't okay. able to have time. And I, I knew that cause it was Saturday night at yeah. 1215 and Sunday I had like, you know, some stuff to do and, uh, also still had to watch, had to watch Videodrome. Uh, and then I worked all day today. Uh, definitely not going to screen this in the store, <laughs> but I just, it, it's one of those movies that as soon as you finished it, you're like, I need to see this again. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I would have loved the chance to rewatch it. I'm sure I will soon. Will I get this beer off the shelf when I get the chance to? Of I'll course tell you, you will. I already did. Okay. <laughs> no, so this is Have my second time yet? having it. Okay. Yeah, I had it. I so had this it over is the on weekend. our shelf right now. Yeah, oh, I'm yeah. Go just landed in our market. Uh, last did you get week. it at Liquid Town? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and wait, this came from HB Plus. Um. Yes, I did. Okay. okay. Well, no one does more than my HB. It's good. It's everywhere. I'm gonna go grab some. I love the idea of a mark a beer that's got a wider distribution than many of the beers we talk about on this mm-hmm. show. This is true. There's a chance you're probably going to have an opportunity to buy this barrel to treasure yeah. coconut if chocolate stout from Odell. Go grab some if it you is can. Because it is a limited release. And so what was the ABV right. on this? 11. It doesn't hit you over it the head, but I feel really loose. I yeah. feel nice. Loosey-goosey, baby. <laughs> Loosey-goosey. Feel like you're ready to go possess somebody, Joe? I... <laughs> Depending on the person, I might see if we had really gone the thematic job. with this episode. We would have figured out ways to possess each other. Although I don't know that that would make much difference for our listeners. I will. I will. I will expound upon this in the after hours episode. Mm. I have a lot to say about what you just said. Yeah. All right. uh, and I hope that we'll talk about technology in the second half. Oh, no, we, hands we, off tech. No are talking are about we technology. Done with the barrel treasure stout, did everybody yeah, say I what did. they oh, used to say? So I, Unanimous I'll just phrase, echo. I it is delicious. It is. It's great when you have. I know it's a limited. So, but if you have Odell in your market, this is a shelfie for you right now. It really yeah. is. Go grab the freaking awesome shelfie that you have available to you. And if they don't have this one, just literally close your eyes and point at any Odell, Odell yeah. six pack and in you're your general make out vicinity okay. and you'll be good. Just, I, che- just check the can by the can date on the in IPA, case. Sure, yeah. 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 Uh, Sipping Pretty, another one they do, a fruited sour mm. that I like a lot. Um, I mean, yeah. what was the peach all, one? What's the peach one? All uh, styles. I don't remember the peach one. Tree. Is there a tree? Oh yeah, tree shaker. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Tree shaker. Um, that was impressive. They uh, yeah they make a fucking they make a lot of good Hold beers. On, let me give some more Odell. So you know <laughs> you know if you want good beer you go to Odell. You know if you want incredible body horror you go to Cronenberg. And we're going to find out in the second <laughs> half of this episode just how true that is when we look back at what the father. Rot back in the early 80s. Way to rein us in. And we're back! We sure are. After a fairly tamed and we're back last week, I decided to. Good, thank you. Bring it back. Um, So. In case you just skipped the entire first half for whatever reason and are just joining us in the second half, we're talking about Videodrome. We mentioned it already. Uh, a David Cronenberg classic, and I can say classic with a fair amount of uh, certainty and uh, have some weight to it because a critical it, classic because it is. Get into a fight with a Cronenberg person about his best movie. If there's a fight, this is probably, probably between one of, one of the two people. Yes, it's it's placement in the Criterion Collection. 
even though there are some Michael Bay films in there as well, we won't talk about that, gives it classic status, I feel. 1983's Videodrome, uh, again, body horror, science fiction, starring the very troublesome James Woods. Well, you and know, the, he's, he's troublesome. Are you tr- trying to break now. the six-minute thing right now? Because my beautiful <laughs> <laughs> And Debbie Harry. But, but I was just putting, the, putting it out there that earlier in his career, his politics really weren't at no, all no, on yeah, display. No, and in fact, too. claims was, to have been... A, yeah. A member of the, the Democratic platoon. Party until the nineties. Yeah. So what, what, what was the survivor? Well, platoon. What am I thinking with James Salvador? Salvador yeah, the Oliver Stone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, James Wood has some good movies. Box office bomb in this film, but we'll get into it in a second. First, as you know, how do you, you market to... this film? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a very uh, a very excellent point. But we have to get into a beer first. This one, I'm very excited about. Um, Me too. As Joe just found out before we started rolling on the second half of the episode, episode 102, we talked uh, to Joaquin Pena of Isla Street Brewing Company. They do really great stuff over there in San Antonio, Corpus Natives. Uh, that was the Big Rojo. Yeah, we talked about their Big Red beer. That's or, right. Sorry, Big Rojo. We can't say Big Red. Uh, allegedly Big Red. <laughs> uh, and um, we had several others of theirs Uh we had the Skelvator. Yeah, Skelvator. Oh, Skel- yeah. Skelvator. And then, actually, it wasn't until a bonus. Do, were we doing bonus episodes at that point? I don't know. We, we were. <laughs> I think that we got, but did not drink the Matthew McConaughey pecan, pecan beer. Uh, no, I think I know we had the key lime one. I think that oh, yes. was on a bonus yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah, the, the looking for a lime that's top, top of the, the line. line. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So this one they did, and I I was particularly interested in trying this one, not just because Isla Street does uh, so great far, stouts, so good, yeah. especially stouts, um, but they also do great other things as well. But definitely known for their thick boy stouts. But this is a collaborative beer uh, with a local coffee shop. Um, Local to us, Corpus Christi. Corpus Christi, yeah. yeah. So Not they're, a San Antonio. Their hometown friend. Their yeah. hometown, yeah. Uh, owned by a friend of mine, Susan. Um, she blessed us with this bottle. Thank you, Susan. Um, just out of the blue. Uh, probably been a month, maybe two, since uh, I had talked to her, and she just hit me up and was like, hey, uh, you want a bottle of this? Uh, I've had it for a minute, and, you know, I think that you would like it. And I was like, yeah, we'll do it on the show. But this is the dark mark. Mm. Um, It is, yeah, like we said, a collaboration. uh, And it is brewed with their signature roast, uh, coffee roast, the Tonic of Infinite Time, uh, which you can pick up at their uh, coffee shop here in town. And I also believe that you can buy it on their website as well if you're not in Corpus and would like to have it shipped to you. Um, And then it's finished with dark chocolate ganache, black vanilla, Mm. And then, as, as if this wasn't enough, they went ahead and steeped it with Garrison Bros uh, three-year barrel char. Um, and like I said, this is serious business this week. Double digits only. What are we? 10% ABV. So a step Ooh. down, but a Open larger it. bottle. God, um, so. <laughs> well, this is exciting. And, and I... I you know, I already said it. Thank you, Susan. Yeah. Um, I, I, I hope she's not too angry that we're not reviewing one of the Harry Potter films uh, <laughs> along with this, but hopefully hopefully she can understand. Because Videodrome is probably about as far from, <laughs> as far from a Harry, a Harry Potter, Potter film as you're going to get. No, I mean, there's probably more overlap than I'm giving you credit for. J.K. Rowling stole a lot of Harry Potter from Videodrome. <laughs> it's thick, David. Uh, yeah, super stoked about this. Mm. Um, 10%? 10%. 10%. 10%. 10%. 10%. 10%. 10%. 10%. 10%. 10%. 10%. 10%. 10%. 10%. 10%. 10%. 10%. 10%. 10%. 10%. 10
yeah. Yeah. The only there's con- not a whisper of head on. <laughs> <laughs> the only contingency for this is I I do have to return the bottle, so I can't keep it in our beer and a movie mm. uh, highlight bottle can collection gotta give it back i dare somebody to do a plot synopsis of video drum i dare someone to try well you uh, got hot shot (laughs) tv exec no tv really really low on the uh on the spectrum uhf channel civic tv being run by max channel Right, being run, run by Max Wren. Cable 13. Uh, played by James Woods, who we've already kind of talked about a little bit. Yeah. And he's looking for what is the next cutting edge yeah. sexual yeah. violence territory that he can go into. That's the market he's going for in his he, little niche station. He's just, they don't have money. Yeah. What they can do is they can buy this foreign content that's going to be able to bring well, in those viewers, the salacious content. The salacious content. Do you want to know what the synopsis of this movie really is? What? Watch video get bad. <laughs> Four words. Video make bad. So his, his uh, you th- yeah. His pirateer finds what might be a awesome new show, Video Drone. He unscrambles a signal. Yeah, yeah. with his big He's satellite. He's a pirate. Which was the seed of this film, of- apparently. Cronenberg tuning it, getting a signal from far mm-hmm. away that was scrambled and and thinking oh what's there that that could be illicit that could be weird mm-hmm. and so you have this guy who works for him Marshall um is it Marshall the, the unscrambling no, 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 no. no Harlan yeah. isn't it Harlan Harlan, Harlan. thank you yeah um, <laughs> where the fuck did Marshall come from? Why did I say Marshall out loud? I think it's your Parliament Trolls habit. You're watching that a lot these yeah. days. Not Harlan, before. like, um, Harlan, what's his face? Colonel Harlan Sanders? No, the actor Harlan something from Rocket Man. Oh, uh, oh Harlan uh, Williams? I yeah. think so. I, like, he, he yeah. was a comedian in the late 90s. Yes, yeah. Um, um, probably the still only the show, the only podcast that I know of that can do a rabbit hole on Harlan. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's okay. So, that looks like it's. Torture footage. It looks like it's a snuff film. Snuff. It looks yeah, like it it's going to turn. It looks like actual footage. Of somebody. So th- this intrigues him, and he it titillates him. Gets him down a rabbit hole where he's looking for what? What is this videodrome? Is yeah. what you know? What is this videodrome? And what does Have it you do? Heard of videodrome? And uh, as it goes on, it it uh, why is it exciting to the degree that it is? My new lover. Uh, Debbie uh, Harry, Nikki right. Brand. Yeah. Debbie mm-hmm. Harry playing Nikki Brand. Who's burning a, herself with a cigarette. Stop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just very casually. Uh, yes, who is a radio personality. Not that casually. Very, very provocatively. Yeah. 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 Sure. But I guess in her reaction to it, she's just like, I did it. Oh, yes. No, she's nonchalant, yeah. but she's doing it to get a reaction. Yeah. yeah to get James Wood's a little more prudish at the beginning of the relationship. And he, <laughs> which is funny, but because he wants, he's already. <laughs> yeah. He wants some more of whatever Videodrome has given him. Yeah. So he kicks Harlan into overdrive to find to the find source it. and where is it coming from? And then it gets into get a in? very convoluted notion, which I, I don't know if we get into or not. Uh, the, 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 re- the the reason that I decided that we were going to Oblivious, do- Professor Oblivious. <laughs> Brian Oblivion. Brian Oblivion. Great name, honestly. It's not my real name. Huge. This is my television name. Yeah, no shit, guy. Yeah. <laughs> Huge props to Dave and Cronenberg for that one. I yeah. loved it. Uh, I picked Dark Mark for the second half because really we could have gone either way with these not super strong tie-ins, but Videodrome does mark Max Ream? Ren. 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 Uh, it marks him in a certain way. It starts to affect not only his psyche but his physiology as well. And so once he sees Videodrome, 
things start getting weird. Things start changing. Well, yeah. He gets, he's trying he gets to get a torso vagina. He does. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the classic torso vagina. <laughs> uh, TV, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> TV. TV will rot oh, your brain and it will, will give you uh, an extra sex organ. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was really, I, I was on a roll. Oh, <laughs> I sorry, was going man. somewhere. Yeah. Uh, is it, but in, he has it's his quest to find this thing or yeah whatever. so he yeah, has yeah. to he's trying to you know track down this oblivion character to see what he knows about about videodrome and only finds his daughter and then this guy from um spectacular optical or spectacular yes. vision or something yeah, like yeah, that yeah. comes to him right uh and so that becomes a whole thing and i mean so much crazy shit happens you just skip to the end and like a bunch of crazy shit happens, and then this. Like, I mean, it's so like. T- I mean, well, along so, okay, the so- way, it's represented. It's represented in that first kind of novel scene of the television of, of his face going into the lips on the television. He's of like a, motorboating the idea, but, but he's merging with the TV, and he's yeah. fantasizing about the TV, a three dimensional object coming toward him, and you begin to see this concept. It's got these veins and, and, and I, w- I hope that we get into the notion of technology and, and what Cronenberg is trying to say here. We get. That's we the same to. question, and that is the merge, the merge, the yeah. the merge of human and technology. Brian, impact. It's which visualizing is, the impact of these media technologies on us as people. That that is mostly invisible to uh-huh. us, right? We yes. don't see people develop vaginas on their torso. We don't see people meld into a TV physically, but then. You know, mentally and psychologically, the idea of the impacts. But we've teased the vagina, uh, torso yeah, vagina, sure. uh, <laughs> the merge of technology Is and that human. The title of the episode? We teased the, the vagina. vagina. Oh my god! It, it can't be. It can't be. It goes into the. It goes into the idea that uh, James Woods' character does have the an insertion point that. If you live through the 80s, you know is a VHS or beta in this term. Beta. This. They had to use beta, beta for the size. Yeah. They they started trying to use VHS, but they had to make it too large, and they didn't want... <laughs> right. So they went with beta. That is the truth. Okay. Talk about a tease. But yeah. you've got this idea that a couple of different characters insert this undulating, uh, uh, gory-looking... Well, first, it, first the... <laughs> The Slipped. torso vagina yes. swallows a gun. Yes, like, he, he puts he, a well, gun he, in he, it. Yeah, it's he, a purse. Uh, yeah, he puts he a gun in his keep purse. Keep it for later. Yeah. Right. Um, and you know what a gun is a symbol of, right? Oh, yes, my goodness. Freedom. <laughs> <laughs> Freedom, Second Amendment. Uh, so. Uh, but we're da- I'm just, I don't want to dance around the notion of like, here is a clear entry point where technology, a gun or a videotape, whatever, yeah. can, in, it can come inside of my body. Right. And. Clearly, you guys are so immature. You're the one who is. I'm trying to have an adult conversation here. No, but clearly, to me, it's the, that's the, the theme of the film. It's so overt that you can't. Oh, for sure. I mean, ba- uh, Barry, Brian Oblivion says in the beginning that we're gonna like. Yeah, ha- Barry, not- convex, Barry convex. Brian, Brian Oblivion. Oblivion. Yeah, that we're gonna have. We're no longer gonna use our real names. We're gonna have these names that we appear in on TV or whatever. Yeah. Which like. Username. Hello, yeah. fucking social media handles like the most prophetic shit, you know? Like at the instant messenger, like I mean, you know, obviously the idea of having a different name on the web 
as opposed to your real life. I mean, if that had ha- if somebody had done something like that in a film in the '90s, mid to late, especially, mm-hmm. we'd be like, "Oh yeah, it makes sense." We're chat rooms and forums and stuff. But to do it in '83, right before the internet was in all of our homes. So what you're saying been, is that this been... is essentially a prequel to uh, "You've Got Mail." Yes, uh, okay, a very direct prequel. Th- I like "You've you. Got um, Mail." Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't find that to be a horror movie at all. I have never, I've never seen it. Um, it's either here or there. It should be noted though. I, I mentioned a spectacular optical or a spectacular vision or whatever. Yeah. They are the secret producers of Videodrome and are a front. For secret us. producers who are arms dealers, arms dealers yeah. with a front that is right. optical. <laughs> right. And the idea presented is that what Videodrome does when you view it is it inserts or creates tumors in your mind right. that then cause hallucinations and then ultimately kill you and so the only way that you're going to watch videodrome is if you are the kind of person that would tune into a channel known to give you salacious disgusting material and there's there's like supposed to be like class purge Mm -hmm. of let america is getting weak well the rest of the world is getting strong so if we can get people that would be attracted to this kind of viewing to watch it we can then kill them and make the world america a more enlightened cultured place this this kind of touches back to the classic joke that my dad always had that do you know how to raise the iq the average iq of maine by two points in a split of a, a you know flash of an instant how do you do that you drop a bomb on a wwf uh professional wrestling performance oh, okay. Josh Jones would be mad yeah. about that one no we, he and I would have been there <laughs> just oh, okay. to make it clear he, he was a professional wrestling fan okay. and I was but he but he would say at performances where we'd be there at the you know at, at the events yeah. where like if they dropped a bomb on this place the IQ of Maine well if you watch points. so Videodrome was that right. writ large it's sure. like we get Asian everybody who has worldwide. any interest in sex and violence yeah. While the director content. delivers those con- that same content yes. to the audience, well, that's it. That's the auto critique of it. It's it's uh, one of the brilliant moves of David Cronenberg is unsettling you so much with what it is that's bringing you to the film that you feel dirty through the whole process. He's he's dragging you through the same muck, especially with this film, and and I think it, it's there in his other films actually. History of Violence, like it's a theme that he wrestles with throughout his career. Um, and, and I don't want to go too far down that before we, we kind of deal with more of this film, but, you know, it, it, it's amazing when a film can sort of push you in that direction to get you to actually start thinking about, I mean, and then I think in one of the best ways I've ever seen it pulled off, because even something like Funny Games, right, the, the Hanukkah film that, um, I think is doing something similar, but but in a more overt way, and and maybe even a way that's like a little it's it's ickier. Um, th- this this is more challenging to me to me. Well, I would agree because you know I you know this Kylie and I did watch this one together, and at the end she was like, "So that movie," and then we were we were in the car, and I was like, "So what do you think that it means?" Because it it's in so many different places throughout the runtime, you know, it goes in so many different directions. And she was like, I don't know, maybe that people that like to watch sex and violence are bad and that like sex and violence is going to dehumanize and desensitize society. But what I think is interesting about it is that what's actually happening if you're like really paying attention and like really reading all the subtext and everything is that the real critique is on spectacular optical 
and that like very convex and yeah. yeah very convex and that the people that seem squeaky clean and that seem nice and okay and like wholesome or whatever are actually the ones doing the malevolent shit and that maybe max's philosophy that better on tv than in the streets actually holds some kind of merit to it mm. that giving people an outlet to watch these things or to have some kind of release whether or not there are people that are actually wanting to do those things or not but just to have some kind of adrenaline based yeah. like kind of moment of release no that's, just through co- consumption of content that's good actually will keep people from maybe reaching a boiling point or like you know exploding or whatever whereas the people that seem to be even tempered mm-hmm. are actually torturing people and selling guns to nefarious folks across the right. world and creating this thing that is meant to kill off an entire segment of the population. Right. Right. Or, or the, so I think that, I think that David Cronenberg saw the scares, especially with, you know, we spent a whole month talking about horror and that's, you know, that kind of craze starting in seven, then one week of comedy. Now two horror. Yeah. But hey, come but, on October in 2020, October was kind of the whole year. Yeah. So the, <laughs> but you know, see, but I think that, you know, Cronenberg, especially being a part of everything that was happening as well, saw like all of the critique that was being wrought upon all these horror movies and these, this like hyper violence or whatever. And thinking to himself, like, wait, we're not the problem. Like, I don't think that y'all seem to be missing the point of all of this. Like, we're not the ones that are creating like a society that's not inhabitable for certain segments of the population or like a society that is somewhat malevolent or like heinous or whatever. It's the people who are, you know, leveraging their religion or their, you know, economic status to try to suppress other people, uh, other classes of people that are the problem. Yeah. And the fact that you don't see this is crazy. And so this movie is kind of an exploration of like what is perceived versus what is actually happening. Right. Um, and right. even though this movie is all over the fucking place and a lot of the reviews about it, especially the critical ones are about it not being very focused or like have a, having a clear idea of what it's about. And I think that you, I mean, it takes but a this lot, is, but that's, this is like watching a filmmaker at the top of his game in like a fugue state coming up with some of the most brilliant ideas he will ever do and string them all together. And yes, does that mean that it doesn't have the same like cohesion that certain films do? Even some others of his films do yeah. maybe more so? Sure. But is it a, like, what is it? Sub 90 minutes? It's right. It's, it's like an hour 28. Yeah. I mean, for a film of this, it's just brilliant. Like, he was able to pack so much in there. And I think all that you're saying is right. I mean, it, it is not a direct critique of sex and violence uh, in media, right? That's there. I mean, that's part of it. That's on the surface. And that's certainly something the film wrestles with. But it's not really, in terms of how it functions, yeah. a critique of that. It's getting you to think about how it gets used. It's getting you to think about where it's deployed. Now, Max Wren is kind of pursuing it just for the spectacle of it, just for the salaciousness. So I think there is a little bit of a judgment against that. Yeah, but it, I mean, it's hard not to... I mean, 
I think it would be but hard. But then Ren is the one who's won over and is like maybe going to be able to be our salvation, right? Yeah. And it, though it's interesting, and, I, and I've, I've read that, you know, Cronenberg had toyed with the idea of doing sort of a post... Because um, because the film ends okay spoilers we we do spoilers right the mm-hmm. film ends with him killing himself the film ends with Max yeah. Ren ultimately being led to kill himself by either hallucinations he's having or Videodrome wanting him to do it or you know it's Deborah Harry who tells him to who knows what yeah. what exactly but he kills himself and there was going to be an afterlife sequence oh, yeah. where he was going to it like only seems like it's going in that be direction. broadcasting from Videodrome but Cronenberg didn't want to do it because he is a an atheist and doesn't believe in an afterlife and felt like it was Good disingenuous. Well, it's interesting that somebody would have that kind of principle about this statement that he's making, which is a fantasy in film. so many ways yeah. pushing us and all the, yeah. But, yeah. but why would you try to perpetuate a belief stru- structure that you yourself do not subscribe well, to? Well, but I'm sure he doesn't believe that there's actually video technology that's creating tumors in people's brain. You know what I mean? Like well, it, no, but that's, he, but that's not a widespread belief system. No, you're right. He's not are, tapping yeah. into something. Well, actually... <laughs> it's, it's, more, it's more of a metaphor. He, he, he was... If he had realized what was going to happen with people in 5G, well, just, that's, you know, 40 <laughs> years later... Uh, <laughs> Fucking chemtrails, um, yeah. He, I mean, it, this is a fairly prophetic film, I think. Like, <laughs> truly. No, like, I yeah. mean, like... Uh, Whenever uh, Harlan put his hand inside James Wood's torso vagina... Yeah. And it came <laughs> out really as persistent. a stick. His TVI. I read that that was supposed to be a grenade on the end of his stick. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, I was. Okay. I I didn't I, understand. I deduced that once he exploded. <laughs> well, he exploded. But, but uh, yeah, when it when he when he first pulled his hand out of James Woods's TV, uh, it <laughs> it was very it was an odd shape. Yeah. Um, but I can having played Call of Duty as a young man, I can see the particular Potato brand grenade. of grenade that so, yeah, that was meant to. So now James Wood is creating grenades in that. Well, because I didn't understand. I think I think I think the uh, like theory, I guess, is that yes, Videodrome can make you like hallucinate and you know crazy or whatever, but yeah. it also is fundamentally changing your physiology mm-hmm. and. Obviously, there's a supernatural element to it, so, you know... I have a problem with the movie. And, and that's where the new flesh comes in. <laughs> uh, long and I don't want to shit on it. I understand. But he did a thing Joe. where... That is, to me, like a classic sin of of horror movies. And that is... Or not even just horror movies, but like movies that rely on today's technology. When today's technology, we have learned, will not be the same yeah so anytime that james wood's tv is about to be inserted with one of these haunted betamax cassettes Mm -hmm. which are rubber molds of betamax cassettes being pumped in with air or something to make them undulate and look a little gory i just thought to myself the special effects department never thought this looked good right Oh, I thought it looked oh, great. Oh, really? Yeah, y'all did like that? Oh, yeah. Every, oh, man. Don't every... watch Existence or talk to me about it because you're probably going to think that all looks But the sin is oh, I love when it. you rely on VHS, and now VHS is a thing that we look at in a museum, and the ring is the worst about this, a haunted videotape that ultimately kills itself because people don't have a VHS player to play it on. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't like 
Is that didn't moment they deal in with time that in technology when that's supposed that to be the where they uh, bring it? Isn't like the third ring? It starts with them bringing with it an to old, a digital transfer with, facility, yeah, and they okay, have to sure. tra- yeah. Okay. I didn't see the third one. But but then that, how do you stretch the corners to see the flies? In the, the, I I I I think that this critique is far more. Um, he did the best with what he could with what it was that oh, day. I did, but now, I, to the contrary, and the, I was going to say... Now, the evolution of television I is love not phone. the effects in this film. Same. Just like Possessor, the practical stuff. Oh, Rick those, Baker, seven-time Oscar winner, Rick yeah. Baker, yeah. doing mean, the just special done. effects and makeup on this yeah. is just beautiful. I mean, I love everything from that torso vagina that we've talked about so much on this episode uh-huh. to... The um, y- you know, everything to do with the TV screen is it undulates, and I yeah. mean, yeah. everything that you see in this film to me is just exactly the way that I want it to be. And rewatching it as I did just over the past couple days, I you know, it, it's it's a film that I've never seen in the theater, but oh boy, I hope that I get the opportunity okay. to someday uh, sit in the theater. So I do, I disagree, but I understand. I mean, yeah. it's it's a different approach. It's a different thing, and I know it's not everybody's cup of tea. It is my cup of tea. I, I do th- like that cup of I think that I think your critique about relying on the technology uh, that's available at the time um, is more valid with the ring than it is with Videodrome, because I think in Videodrome, it's more about just technology in a broad spectrum. So that is just the technology that was around at the time. Uh, there's a songwriter, Brendan Kelly, who I really like and admire. And uh, he is, uh, he's in a band called the Lawrence arms as well as the Falcon. He was in the Broadway's slapstick also. And he, he talks a lot about people that say, you should never write a song that references something specific to your time period. Like you should never write a song that has the word tweet in it or that references Twitter or that references any particular piece of technology of your time, because then that will date that song later. And he, Brendan Kelly finds this to be a ridiculous thing to say because the themes and the problems that humanity faces in general largely stay the same the way that they manifest themselves change. And so if you are speaking on the human condition or you're trying to make a statement about the human condition, how, like what the fuck are you going to say that isn't specific to your time period? So like if you're trying to make a statement about something, it has to be from the point of view of you specifically as a human being who's just a speck in like the vastness Mm. of infinite time and space and uh you know the billions of years that the world has existed and the thousands and thousands of years of humanity so i think that there's no other way to make this movie other than to set it in a specific time and place and it just so happens that whether he was making decisions that were intentional and like was actually thinking about the longevity of his film or not i think that whether on purpose or on accident, Cronenberg was able to uh, make his film timeless in that way. And he makes Canada look grimy, which I've never seen. Before. Yes. <laughs> that is also true. That is also true. It, it is the darkest version of Toronto I've ever seen in film. I'm yeah. curious. We really enjoyed that barrel treasure stout. We did, yeah. Is this going to be a twofer? 
are we going to get into a fight about it a is beer? for me my gosh this i i mean and it is in some ways a step up i mean i love the odell it was great and and i really do stand by the uh advice that if you have this in your local market go get some but this one such a limited release probably nobody else uh is going to be able to have this. Sorry, folks. We, yeah. we, we really yeah, it, scored on this one, Definitively, Susan. no one else would be able to have yeah, it. It's I long hope that we're giving uh, Isla some stock in the beer mule game. Yeah, they, these guys just... We, Trade for some Isla in the San Antonio yeah, we, area. Yeah, we said it before. Yeah. We'll say it again. This, this brewery is doing some fantastic mm. stuff, and everything here is working. I Ooh. mean, from the ganache... To the the vanilla, which I don't even know what black vanilla is, but I am picking up a hint of vanilla in there, mm-hmm. so so I think I'm getting that. It's just it's perfection. Yeah, it's, this is a fantastic beer. I mean, I as, will as, warn you that the last couple of pours out of the bottle are muddy. <laughs> all that stuff in that sip, David. All that ganache. That, you're gonna chew that sip right there because that thing poured thick. Yeah, 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 it's super thick. And I mean, as we're recording this on a Monday, you'll be hearing this on Wednesday, so this may no longer be the case. It might be, but right now you can go to their website and you can order a sweet cream and Mexican coffee stout. You can order a uh, a junior mint stout. You can order uh what they're calling a mexican ddh hazy ipa what does that have in it uh oh just different hops i think um hey yo chico a chico stick peanut butter coconut cream sour having um, fun triple hopped hazy and then a green tea matcha and coconut cream sour all of those things are available as we're on your proxy so if you don't live in san antonio (laughs) if you live in texas you probably know someone that lives in san antonio get them to go pick your shit up for you Mm. because this is stuff that especially the stout stuff that sits well and that you know doesn't require you to drink it as fresh as possible we've got as well three states left to drink in the union we're so close and uh don't think out there that we're not trying to hit help me south dakota West Virginia. West Virginia. And I've got us on West Wyoming. Virginia. Wyoming. Wyoming. Now, I, I've, I've got I'm us on West Virginia. reaching out via social media to different groups and parts of the country. I think I've got, what was the last one? Wyoming? Wyoming yeah. is what I'm working on. I think you had a South, South Dakota, Dakota line. Yeah, I'm working on South Dakota. South Dakota. I think that it's almost 100% done deal that I'll have some West Virginia coming for us. Um, we, we had mentioned... Uh, Rick Baker, I don't know if it was briefly or not. I mean, yeah, I don't know if I mean we talked about him a little bit, but I, I mean, American Werewolf in London, Harry and the Hendersons, Ed Wood, Men in Star Black, Wars, Nutty Professor, Star Wars, uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, The Wolfman, uh, Terminator I Two, mean, Terminator, right? Uh, Batman Forever, uh, Gremlins Two, uh, Beauty and the Beast. Uh, maybe I shouldn't have mentioned that one. Uh, Star Starman was a uh, Carpenter. Uh, Are you trying to convince us that Rick Baker's the, good? The Thriller music video. Yeah. I mean, put some respect on the man's name. King Kong, 1976. I think there's nothing but the respect Exorcist, in this room. a legend. Uh, him and Tom Savini. Yeah, no. They, I, I mean, mean, those are the it, those are the goats of special effects makeup, practical special. Well, effects and makeup. and and Baker is the one who got more love from the industry probably yes. than Savini. So 100. You know, and that that's seven Oscars. Just, I mean, yes, right. You can't top that. It's, um, it's it's impressive and, it's and to Oscars. me it's on display and it's a fantastic film, yeah. fantastic beers. Oh, 
the, the Matrix thing in this movie that I saw, whenever he pulls the gun back out and it starts to morph into his uh-huh. arm yeah. and become a part of him, it just it reminded me of that, all of those bits in Neo when he's taken out of his pod and the way that they those like whatever they are that inject into his entire body, the <laughs> way that they inject into the way that it looks mm. and like the art direction of all of that. I saw so much of that from the matrix. I saw at a very young age yeah. and left a huge impression on me in Videodrome. And so, yeah, so the matrix picked up that it thing- looks like from Videodrome, Cronenberg, Brandon, picked up the head injection thing yeah. from the, the Matrix. Thing that I want to mention is symbio- symbiosis. I'm so glad we did the uh, Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street in October because it kind of maps out some like pinpoints in the timeline of American Horror, 1980 to 1984. This is 1983. Mm-hmm. What a trajectory in three years. I mean, the 80s was a glut of horror after the um, mm. one-two punch of Halloween and Friday the 13th was, mm-hmm. we can make a lot of money without spending a lot of money. So much money. There was a glut of horror and a quick evolution. The, the Three Cron- years after Friday the 13th, was this comes out. not as big a part of that. I mean, he yeah. was... He did his thing at, when he, he dropped did. something. It and was event- always monumental. Right. Eventually it paid off. I mean, The Fly, I think, mm-hmm. uh, w- was probably... Maybe Dead Zone. Was Dead Zone before The Fly? I don't know. The, Dead Zone it, was before. It was, yeah. but The Fly was the one that kaboom. Yeah. The Fly was huge. The most mainstream thing for him, probably. It was uh, The Fly. The Dead Zone was just Body horror, yeah. uh, technology and humans yeah. merging. Come on. I mean, that's what that Well, no, it's great that he got to be part of that moment, and it's great that that, um, that legacy is here yeah. with Brandon Cronenberg and stuff, he, which is so funny because it does seem like, based on what I've read, Brandon... Did not want to be uh, following his stepfather's footsteps, guy. But God, when your father has awesome footsteps, following him, go for it. (laughs) Leading to his ultimate work, David Cronenberg. Of course, I'm speaking about his ultimate work, acting in Jason X. In Jason X, he was also in. He's amazing in Nightbreed. That is a highly underrated Clive Barker movie that everybody should watch if you haven't already. Though I suspect that if you're listening to this podcast, that you have. Uh, seen it already. But, Successful episode. Yeah, Possessor. I think is going to be well, one for the was, ages. I'm so glad that we we landed on that because that had is, to be done. that's a film that it's going to be at the top of my year end list. Mm-hmm. Whatever award season be damned, mm-hmm. Possessor is going to be right up there. Yeah, it'll be in the top ten for sure. And it mm-hmm. would have been criminal of us to omit it from our yeah. uh, our programming. Yeah. Um, but this, of course, begs the question: Have you seen Possessor Uncut? Do it. Have you seen Videodrome? Do that. What's your Cronenberg? Not just David, but just in general Cronenberg experience. Like, have you? Do you like Odell? Have you had the privilege of tasting something from Isla Street? Let us know. You can find us on social media as one would expect on Twitter at Beer Movie Show, Instagram at Beer and Movie, Facebook.com slash Beer Movie TX, Beer Movie Podcast.com. You can find a listen to all. Yeah, you can find a link to listen to all of our past episodes there. I'm going to do that again. You can find us on Twitter at Beer Movie Show, Instagram at Beer and a Movie, Facebook.com slash Beer and Movie TX, Beer and a Movie Podcast.com is where you can find a link to listen to all of our past episodes absolutely for free. We are a podcast by the people, of the people, for the people, after all. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please rate, review, and subscribe. That really helps us a lot get into the mix when you when people search movie podcast beer podcast etc um and of course 
what you really, the most, what is of the utmost importance and what you should be doing is be rocking with us on Patreon, patreon.com slash podcast. Five bucks a month gets you a bonus episode every single week. Uh, sometimes we talk a little bit more about the films that we maybe didn't get into in the main episode. Other times we talk about all sorts of wacky shit. Uh, and we also drink another beer in that episode. So that's uh, three beers a week for you from us. Uh, only five bucks a month. Of course, you can always contribute less if you want, but it if won't you get you. you made it this far and you're not doing Patreon, ask for a raise. Yes, it won't get you uh, those bonus episodes if you do less. And of course, you can always contribute more if you just really, really like us. That's, that's you'll still totally get those sensible. bonus episodes and you'll feel really good about yourself. You've done <laughs> something great for the world, for the culture, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And until next time, Long live the new flesh. Long live the new Death flesh. Death to video drum. <laughs> <laughs>